Hello, everyone. This is Ryan, one half of the titular wrestling purists. You'll hear this little intro before each one of the lost episodes. So before this podcast was started, I got my break into podcasting in 2020 with a podcast called Podcast World Order, also known as PWO. Jeff was known on their show as the resident wrestling purist. On their YouTube channel, I would have a weekly show called Referee's Discretion that turned into the ref bump with Jeff, which then turned back into Referee's Discretion, but this time with Jeff. Uh, shortly after that, I decided to leave PWO to start the Wrestling Purist with Jeff. So I owe the name of the Wrestling Purist to Jeff and my break into podcasting to the guys at PWO. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Check out the Wrestling Purist on all social media at WPPod1. That's WPPOD1. And I hope you enjoy some of my early work as a reviewer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Referee's Discretion. I'm Cod Sinclair, and today we are starting our four-part trick-or-treat series. The series is four weeks of reviews from WCW's Halloween Havoc pay-per-view event. For each review, I will be joined by someone you have seen on PW World WrestleCast. And for part one, it is none other than Jeff the Hitman Hall. Jeff, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great. Um, again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, the honor is truly yours. Um, some of the some of the viewing audience does not know this, um, but some people do. Um, we were supposed to collab on the ECW Anarchy Rules uh, uh, review I put out a couple weeks ago, um, but in post production, the audio did not come out properly. Um, so we got together, decided it was best to stay on schedule for referee's discretion. So um, I took the helm on that one. So in return. Um, I felt that it was absolutely necessary to give you the first overall pick in which show you wanted to do out of the four. And this is the one, this is the uh, one. So, uh, thank you. Um, back for the first time, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you gave me the choice. I picked 92. Um, I'm a purist, so, you know, Oh yeah, this is going to get pure. Right. So, <laughs> We are looking at WCW Halloween Havoc 1992, taking place October 25th from the Philadelphia Civic Center. And right off the bat, you know that this is going to be an incredible show just just because of the intro. Um, You hear Sting's howl. uh, You hear an evil Jake, Jake Roberts laugh. And then you just get wrestling ghost faces just flying all over the screen. And <laughs> ghosts and ghouls, ghosts and ghouls, baby. Um, show kicks off pyro galore, uh, greeted by Tony Schiavone and the legendary Bruno San Martino, um, who I thought at first was going to be commentary, um, but it, but then it turns out that they were just the hosts. Um, they run through the card. Um, eventually they do kick it to the commentary team for the night, uh, Jim Ross and Jesse, the body Ventura at ringside 
who immediately begin to pump up, spin the wheel, make the deal. Uh, you you ready for that one, right? I am. And, man, there's nothing like Jesse's voice. I mean, oh. it's just, yeah, make the deal. I mean, it just I just wanted to know about it so much more. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just here. Um, it's just throughout the whole card. Just even – even, you know, and this is me jumping ahead a little bit, but even going through um, when when he's uh, telling us at home what the coal miner's glove is and what the match is, it just makes you get so much more invested in what he's trying to sell you. Um, right. You listen to it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, if, if, if anybody else was trying to sell you either one of these concepts, I don't think it would be near, nearly as effective. Nope. All right. Here we go. Kicking off with six-man tag. We have we have Arn Anderson, beautiful Bobby Eaton, and Michael P.S. Hayes versus the Z-Man, Tom Zink, Johnny Gunn, and a young-looking franchise, Shane Douglas. Um, this was booked as team veteran versus team young guys the, in the entire match. Um, even the way that they were working in in the ring, um, you you had you, you had the young team. Uh, they were a little bit more agile, moving around the ring. Um, you had team veteran with some more methodical moves. Um, what what did you think of the match, though, Jeff? Um, the match one spoiler alert. Um, this is this is ninety two. So. Uh, headlock, hammerlocks, sleepers, um, working body parts. If that's not your thing, then this this isn't the pay per view for you. <laughs> <laughs> which which don't get me wrong, I, I totally understand. Yeah, um, uh, I thought the match um, was good. Bobby Eaton's probably one of the best workers ever, and that and I mean any anybody will tell you that. Um, P.S. Hayes is great. You know, just being P.S. Hayes. Um, I'm the biggest Shane Douglas mark there is, so you're not gonna get me you know say nothing wrong about him. Uh, the your your veteran team was over with the crowd, which is kind of your your quote unquote heels. I mean, they kind of were the heels. Mm-hmm. Um, Arn, they were popping for Arn like nobody's business. So hard. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, for the for the younger fan for the younger fans, just this this WCW the mat sound, just that mat. Oh, like that that mat sound, and also with Gary Michael Capetta, just his you know. Oh, but and he just talks like you know. It's it's just great. It it just it's just vintage WCW, good, bad, or indifferent. You know whether you like it or not, that's fine. It, it was refreshing and just it, it was good to go down memory lane a little bit. That's you know I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, compared to the six man tag matches you see, um, you know, on you know mainstream you know WWE or you know even even you know even all elite wrestling. Um, there's a there. There's a lot of high spots. Um, everybody gets their stuff in for about a minute or so, and then it's the go home and we're good. Um, but this had a lot of in ring psychology stuff to it, especially with the way that the heels were working to the crowd, even though they weren't, you know, supposed to be the faces. But you know, the crowd was treating them like like that. I loved it. I loved every second of this. Um, Getting to the finish, though, you you have a beautiful Bobby Eaton locking in a figure four. Shane Douglas rolls over, um, but as soon as that happens, Bobby Eaton tag tags in double A. Um, we get a huge brawl, 
And then you have the Z-Man, Tom Zink. Um, he gives a super kick to P.S. Hayes. And then you have uh, Johnny Gunn, who hits a Luthez press for the win. Um, I don't think I don't think since um, since since then that a Luthez press has ever been used to win because it's always the you know signature uh, move from you know Stone Cold Steve Austin you know in the late '90s, early two two thousands. So a lot of people just view it as a as a transition move, um, but this got the win. Um, and I love, and this is one of the things I loved about the entire card in general. Um, and I'll and I'll mention it a couple times as we continue. But um, just the fact that you ha- could have a wrestling match and and not have a finisher be the finish, um, I thought it, I I think it's great booking um, because you don't really know when the finish is going to come. It keeps your audience on the edge of their seats, and it just keeps you wanting more. I think you're 100% correct, Cod. And a lot of this is just old school wrestling, you know, just the, the time period and kayfabe still being alive. And we'll, we're going to harp on this and touch on this probably for the remainder of the, you know, um, of our, you know, our, our, our or your show here. But yeah, it, it's, it's simple things. You, you, this is also a time period too. When you look into the crowd, you see black, you see white, you see, you know, all nationalities and creeds, you see, 90-year-old women, you see kids, you see women. I mean, this it, this is the kayfabe era where wrestling is alive and people are into it. So you, you see the emotion in the fans and you see them, you know, you know, someone's in a headlock for 10 minutes. Now you're like, well, that's stupid. But back then, I mean, they're just cheering for the baby face to get out of it. You know what I mean? Just, you know, come on, you can do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was more of a rah-rah um, type type of feel uh, growing up with 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 professional wrestling and you know the even in the early to mid nineties and then once you hit the late nineties everybody had had to have a finisher you know yeah. it was either it was either a stone cold stunner or a rock bottom or maybe it was a torture rack um, you know but overall though this match I gave it a one and a half count which is you know equivalent to about a three star match I thought it was a great opener. It definitely got the crowd intrigued, um, even though they, like you said earlier, they were behind the heels the the entire time. Um, Jesse Ventura makes a really good point towards the towards the end of this match. Um, how can you make a count when so many illegal men are in the ring? Um, so by this being your show and referee, referee's discretion, <laughs> um, I have a couple questions for you as well later on down the line okay. <laughs> about said things. Um, yeah, but but I mean I I, I agree with you. Um, you know Jesse was the voice of reason. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, he was the voice of reason, and I I I enjoyed it. I gave this um, about two and a half stars. All right, moving on, we have Missy Hyatt backstage outside of Recruit's locker room when Harley Race walks up. She asks him if she can get in, to which he flat out responds, "No." So when she tries to get in, <laughs> slams the door in her face. And then she says, this is the first time Missy Hyatt hasn't been invited into a locker room. <laughs> Boy, I popped hard for that. You have no idea. There's a lot of, uh, you can tell it's 1992, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to it later. Oh, there's one <laughs> segment. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, moving on for now. Um, 
Our next match, we have Flying Brian Pillman uh, versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And this was exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, you have you you have somebody like Pillman who left this earth way, way too, too soon. Um, and it's crazy that his son looks exactly like him. Um, but his, his in-ring work and in-ring psychology is just absolutely incredible. It is, it is leaps and bounds above anybody else on, on this card. Um, and then, and then Steamboat is that same mold though. Um, and it's, and it's definitely prevalent in a lot of his, you know, Ric Flair stuff. Um, but this just kind of gave both men a platform to just work with the time that they were given. And this, when this is a great match, I love this match. This is for the time period. When I say wrestling purist, this is, this is what I'm talking about. And I understand every match isn't going to be this way. And I, I get it. I, and, and, and it shouldn't be. But these are two guys at the top of their game. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and could have a, a match with a paper bag and it would be fine. Pillman's <laughs> um, heel work is great. You have everything you want. You got high spots. You got somewhat of a catch can, you know, going on. Like I said, good heel work. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just great. It's a wrestling clinic. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, there wasn't necessarily a finish, you know, like a, a, a finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you get a couple counters into a finish and mm-hmm. both didn't look good. You know, you, you, you left that not thinking like, oh, man, like Pillman looked like crap. No, he looked great. He just lost to another really good wrestler. And I think you could – in modern wrestling, it, it hurts now, but I think back then – well, I know back then – you could have a lot of matches where both guys look good and people go over clean. You just could do it. Yeah. The wrestling was believable. You know, you thought, well, the next person will get even. It's not so much about booking. And a lot of it's kayfabe as well. So, you know, I understand that. But, yeah, on the scale, the grand scale of things, this match was absolutely great. And like, like you said, two guys at the top of their profession, at the top of their game, just really good. Yeah. Um, to get to the finish, though, that you were, that, you know, you were referring to um, – Pillman goes to the top, uh, connects with a crossbody, gets a near fall. Um, Steamboat hit, hits a backbreaker, goes to the top him, himself, hits a big sunset flip. They exchange pinning attempts. They, they reverse them on each other. And then, like you said, Pillman just gets caught. And they both come out looking great. I gave this a two count um, equivalent to four stars. Um, it was an absolutely solid match here. Uh, good in-ring side psychology. Um, we touched on it a little bit. Um, being that this is an old-school match, um, um, and this is kind of, I think, what needs to make a small return. And I think that AEW has done a good job incorporating it in, in very small doses. Um, but just like the first match, it wasn't a true finisher to win. Um, Cody did that a couple times. Um, through his AEW championship reign. Well, I guess, I guess his first championship reign now. Um, but, you know, he would, he would just keep catching people with, you know, just like roll-ups or, you know, or, you know quick backslides or something. Um, but it was fast-paced. It was hard-hitting. Um, and it's just the fact that, that that Steamboat was a little bit more, more of a veteran than Pillman. 
and 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 he's out wrestled a younger guy. I mean, you that's pretty much it. You had stiff chops. You know, you had Ricky's arm drags, which are legendary. <laughs> um, it was great, like you said. He he, you 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 left there thinking, man, old Pillman just got caught. You know, or he was trying to do a little too much. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. Ricky got him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I four stars, easy, easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So then we go backstage. Teddy Long, holy smokes, he <laughs> is in the locker room, and he and he was with Masahiro Chono and some of his associates. Teddy Long. Which, yeah, baby. Um. One of which being the New Japan president, Hiro Matsuda, um, and. Eventually, this whole this this whole segment is just for them to to announce who their who their official is going to be for Chono's match against Rick Rude later in the evening, and it is Kensuke Sasaki. Um, boy, it does he not look tougher than a freaking two dollar steak just standing there <laughs> in his freaking jump jumpsuit. I swear. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, he does. He, look, he looks like a uh, random task. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's just ready to, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 if he walked by me, I'd get out of his way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, don't worry. By the end of the night, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but he even looks like a Chippendales dancer by the end of the night. <laughs> um, Teddy kick, kicks it over the Tony Schiavone, who's with Cowboy Bill Watts, giving us just some – backstage news and you know just just some wrestling updates um he announces rick rude has chosen harley race as as his official and spoiler alert what they do when they get to this match is 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 you have good old ole anderson uh flip a coin um to decide which one of the officials is going to officiate the match and we'll get to that a little bit later um but but then Watts also goes on to say that that stunning Steve Austin is going to be Dr. Death's tag tag team partner and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, who was initially scheduled for this, um, has been indefinitely suspended um, and then finished it off since Rick Root is the current WCW United States heavyweight champion um, and he is facing Chono um, Root has chosen a surrogate champion uh, to face Nikita Koloff, and it is Big Van Vader, um, and they jump right into this match, um, and and this is no disqualification, and then and then Medusa banned from ringside. They kept that stipulation. Um, yes. Not, and then it turns out. Um, that they also end up banning Rick Rude, um, and they also ban Harley Race, which I thought was funny be because you have Vader coming out to the ring, and you have Rick Rude in his pomp and circumstance and his music playing, and I thought the ultimate swerve was on there for a second. I really did. Well, it, it, if you didn't, it, if you just watched it on mute, you would think uh, Rick Rude was, was going to wrestle. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, if you put it on mute and you just watch it, like, oh, well, Rick Rude's about to this, – this guy's going to wrestle with a belt. No, it, it's it's actually Vader. <laughs> and if I, and if I, I could just take a second. You have a pay-per-view. We'll get to some of the other guys as well. But you got a pay-per-view with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Cowboy Bill Watts, Ole Anderson, Harley Race, you know, and, again, I'll save some for later. But, you know, beautiful Bobby Eaton. I mean, it's 
it's wild. It's just crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. Um, but to the match itself, it's a big hoss fight. Um, you have a lot of tests. You, you have a lot of tests of strength. Um, you know, you have you, – and this is a no disqualification match. So when, so when you have Koloff, who clotheslines Vader, over the top rope, you do hear a couple gasps from the crowd um, uh, thinking that the match is over because uh-huh. this, is, this is Bill Watts WCW. Um, for those who don't know, um, back in the Watts era, um, anytime you threw, threw your opponent over the top rope, you were disqualified. Poor um, driver. There you go. There, there you go. And that is, and we'll get to that one a little later. Um, but um, but then you have Koloff, who then chases Vader to the outside, goes goes for his sickle clothesline, hit, hits the ring post, everybody back in. Um, Vader throws an elbow to the bad arm. And then Vader connects with a powerbomb for the win. Um, nothing, n- nothing overly, you know, great here after the first two matches that we watched. Um I gave it a one count. It's equivalent to a you know two star rating. Um, it's not bad. It was almost a squash match, honestly. Um, Vader always looks like he's working stiff, um, and it shows here for sure. Um, what did you think? Um, man, Vader was working snug, stiff, however you want to call it. I mean, those clotheslines, man. When you if you're gonna send them, send them. But he's catching. Kolov, like, you know, kind of on the bottom of the jaw and of the neck, you know what I mean? Just, ugh. And it looked like, you know, Kolov couldn't do nothing if he, he, even if he, if he wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like you said, big hoss fight. Um, nothing, you know, nothing fancy. Um, I probably gave it about a star and a half. That's kind of where I had it. Two tops. Um, I mean, Vader looked good. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if I were in the crowd, Back then, you know, you'd be afraid of him. Yeah, um, and this and this and this is crazy. Um, one of those clotheslines actually ends Nikita Koloff's um, in in ring career. Um, this was his last wrestling match. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, he made a few appearances in in the early TNA days when they were still with NWA. Um, he appeared as Mr. Wrestling Four. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that as well. <laughs> um, but this was his last match. Um, he suffered a herniated disc because of one of the clotheslines that uh, that he had received from Vader, and that was it. I mean, it that unfortunately that makes a lot of sense. Listen, and it, of- and twenty twenty now, but we're even seeing the results in current in in current wrestling where. Even wrestling a little stiff, um, or maybe even, or or maybe even over wrestling, um, can can cause can you know cause some injuries here. So um, uh, I, I agree. I, I was you know listening to other people's podcasts and just wrestling knowledge in general. And you think about the guys that wrestled, you know, eighties, well even earlier, but you know let's, let's just say eighties and nineties. I mean they're working. Most guys really didn't work that stiff. I mean, really didn't work that stiff. You know what I mean? And they're having problems. So what do you think is going to happen when these guys – you know what I'm saying? What do you think is going to happen when when your strong style guys and all those guys working now that are jumping off this and jumping off that in 30 years? It just it just makes you wonder, you know? Yeah. 
Um, but we do get a video package for Starcade 1992 Battle Bowl. <laughs> I, f I figured you'd enjoy that. <laughs> oh, this is not the first time that that same video package pops up, and I popped so dang hard. I'm like, oh. Uh, that that's that's gonna have to be one we watch here together uh, later down the road. Um, full full disclosure, I know it's the '90s, but like I, I just enjoyed all the all the graphics and all the you know like the swooping ghosts and just all the you know everything you saw on screen. I didn't forget, but you know you get commercials for the toll free hotlines. I called those once or twice and got in trouble for that. You know, once or twice at the house. You know, I just miss, not miss, but you, some of the stuff you just, you literally forget about until you start watching some of these old pay-per-views that still have the commercials on them. And you know what I mean? It's, it, it's great. It's great stuff. Oh yeah. Um, JR kicks it backstage to Teddy Long, who is now in an interviewing role again. Mm -hmm. um, this time he is with Dr. Death, Steve Williams and stunning Steve Austin. He asked Dr. Death if he feels confident with Austin as his partner. Um, he then replies, trick or treat. Um, he says that the treat is that Steve Austin is his partner. The trick is that they have to face him. And then Steve Austin with an interesting response. Um, you know, Teddy Long asks him how he feels. And then and then Steve Austin just just says, We'll we'll see him in a few seconds. And I'm like, what? What? And then he's, oh, we'll see him in a few seconds then. So then immediately. It kicks, it kicks over to Missy Hyatt, and she's with the natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. Windham says him and Dustin have no problems, and they're excited to get in the ring with Austin. So it seems on the surface that this is just um, a it is that it's just the tag tag team champions, and they're welcoming all challengers, and this is a new tag tag team, as we heard earlier, because. Harry Gordy is indefinitely suspended. We'll see. Yeah. So we are on to that match now. It is Dr. Death Steve Williams, stunning Steve Austin versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. And spoiler alert, this is my favorite match of the night. <laughs> I absolutely loved this from start to finish. And it wasn't even – and. Gosh. This, was, this was kind of a schmoz a little bit <laughs> at times. Yeah, but for this, sure. Getting to what I was saying earlier, you, you got a tag match with the natural Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, Dr. Dr. Steve, uh, 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 Steve Williams, and stunning Steve Austin. Let's let that blow your mind. Yeah. But then um, she manages to, manages to go under. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this match is for the Unified World Tag Team Championships, uh, and it is a 30-minute time limit, which is going to be very important here in a few moments. Um, this is definitely a slow burn match, but but the in ring the in ring action doesn't match that billing, be, because the whole match from start to finish you would you would have rest holds, but they would be quick. They, 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 they'd be quick, and we're, and we're on to the next move, quick and on to the next move. Um, it was definitely back back and forth. Um, what, what did you think overall, though? Um, overall, I mean, uh, I enjoyed the match. 
I mean, I thought at times it was just a little sloppy. Um, I didn't necessarily like the finish, but oh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave it alone for now. Um, but yeah, uh, great match. And and well, not great match, but solid match for, for the time. And what we talked about earlier too with kayfabe and emotion in wrestling they did a bridge and when they bridged up like the crowd like you heard the crowd like ooh, for a bridge yeah you know what i mean like for a bridge dustin did a power driver and the crowd just blew you know you know what i mean and i just I get wrestling can't be like that now, but I just miss, you know, you watch it and you, it's, it's just, it's just funny. It's just cool to watch. You know what I mean? Guys doing a bridge and it, you know, blowing everybody's mind, you know? Yeah. Um, but getting to said finish, um, we have, we have, we have Wyndham getting, getting work, worked over, du- or sorry, Dustin getting work, work, worked over. He makes the hot tag. The ref doesn't see it. So the ref is restraining Barry, Barry, Barry Wyndham. And then Dr. Death throws, throws Dustin Rhodes over the top rope, which should be another disqualification. Uh, but, you know, see no evil, you know. Um, you know, so, so, so then we have Barry Wyndham goes for a scoop slam. And then you and, and they have Steve Austin's feet who knock the ref out of the ring. And you, then, then, then you have good old Nick Patrick coming down to the ring. Um, goes to check on the ref, sees that Austin is pinning Wyndham, so he slides in and counts the three. You have the bell going off. You got bells and whistles everywhere. You got people celebrating. Um, but then you have Dustin Rhodes and Barry Wyndham getting right back to work on him. Um, you know, and it's pandemonium at this point. It's a brawl. Um, and then out of nowhere, you know, we stop ring. We stop bringing the bell. There's no real. There's no real announcement. Um, you have you have Steve Austin going for a tombstone. <laughs> um, Dustin Rhodes reverses it with one of his own. It only gets him a near fall. The time is winding down. Um, this time the bell rings for good. The match reaches its time limit. It's considered a draw. Um, maybe I liked the finish more than you because of because of this mindset of just. Of, of just wrestling doesn't do anything like this anymore. Um, I no, I, I agree with you. I, I misspoke. This finish was fine. The, there was another finish that I. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's running together. It's been a long day. This finish was fine. I, um, the other one we'll we'll, we'll get to. Yeah, um, I didn't have a problem with with, with this finish. I thought it kind of got sloppy at points, but I mean wrestling now can be sloppy as well. So, you know, I, I'm, if I'm going to equally get on things, I'm, I'm going to equally get on them, but I, I didn't think this was a bad match at all. And for the star set of cast that you had and the way they wrestled and how they wrestled stone cold, I mean, Oh, good Lord. Stunning Steve. Um, <laughs> it is great. And I, I, you know, JR's calling was, I mean, uh, JR is saying he was going to get him in a stun gun. Barry Wyndham is probably one of the, I mean, not misused, but, you know, if he really wanted to be a superstar, and he was, he was so good in the ring, just his movements, his footwork, everything, and Dustin is Dustin. Um, Dr. Death, tough as nails. It just was, like I said, four guys that are really good wrestlers, and it showed. Really all singles singles guys, to be honest with you. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in a, in, a, in a tag match, and it was good. Yeah. Um, I think I like this a little more than you. I gave it a two-and-a-half count. Um, it was only a two-count until the last five minutes, and then I was a huge fan of the finish. Um, I just loved all the pandemonium and chaos, and you could just feel – the crowd just getting more on the edge of their seat as you got to the 30 minute limit, Um, you know, just getting closer and closer and you just feel the tension in the room. And then all that stuff with judge, which is kind of the swerve ending, the second ref, Um, you know, it it was, I thought, I thought it was all great. Um, All four men put on a wrestling clinic. I thought it was a little bit sloppy, um, but it, it wasn't sloppy to where there was anything botched completely no. or, you know, anything missed. Um, but I love the fact that the booking here, that whoever was booking this at the time um, wasn't afraid to make decisions like this, to make championship contests go to a draw. Um, I think, I think that, and I'm referencing AEW again, but, um, they've, they've had one, one draw, I believe, um, and that's been Cody and Darby Allen. Um, but I think, I, I think a draw with a time limit championship match, um, I think it's a great way to continue storyline. Um, I think it's a great way to protect everybody involved. I wish we did more of it in, you know, contemporary wrestling. Um, but again, we're just sitting here being, being purists. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I gave it two stars. There's nothing wrong if done correctly mm-hmm. with leading the people with more. I mean, I'm sorry, wanting more. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think with this booking and just modern wrestling, companies have gotten away from that. Like, you, you every match can't be a five star match, and every you know angle you know, can't necessarily be buttoned up with within reason with, you know, one finish. So like you said, the fact that they, they, they let it go to a draw is fine. I, I looking at the fans, I don't think they left thinking like, man, like we didn't necessarily get our money's worth, you know, <laughs> or man, like we should have got more or less. No, I, I think, I mean, that's all competitors competing. Um, and it, it didn't get, you know, it kind of like, you know, kind of wacky there toward the end, but wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Not at all. So now we get Tony Schiavone. He is with Vader, uh, uh, a Harley race, and Paul E. Dangerously. Um, Paul goes just on a huge tangent, saying that all of Rick Rude's success is because of him. Everything has happened tonight because of him. Medusa, out of nowhere, cuts him off, shakes Vader, and says, as the first woman of WCW, I, I congratulate you. And Paul says he's had enough. He goes on a very misogynistic tirade, um, ultimately saying that because he's a man and she's a woman, that he is better than her in every way. Um, Medusa looks to be almost in tears. um, And Paul says, let me spell it out for you because you're a woman. You are F-I-R-E-D. And she immediately jumps in. Crowd is flipping out for this. They're huge, hot. huge, huge pop. Yep. Um, it's 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 crazy to think that you know Paulie on the mic in '92, 
and in 2020, they can be almost exactly the same. It's crazy. Just as sharp. Listen, I obviously don't agree with what Paulie's saying, and he's working. Don't get me wrong. This is this is a work. This is I. I actually remember this because he, they're they're setting up for the you know the the hand behind his one hand behind his back match against Medusa, but. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I mean, I, I thought his, the, the work was good. It was believable. It, it got the crowd worked up. The crowd was, you know, not behind it. But, I mean, you know, they were invested. Um, also, Paulie, when he first came on, was talking about, you know, giving people half of the winner's purse and all that stuff. And that's just good. That's good wrestling, um, you know, one-on-one for, you know, for, for the old school people. You know, again, wrestling is a competition, you know, where mm-hmm. money – idols things are on the line you know trying to make a better life for yourself so i thought i thought it was good yeah um i'll um you know interject this um with another AEW re- another AEW reference um when we had the jericho entrance at AEW revolution um and he had the choir singing and everyone was singing with him and he was making his way down the ramp and Oddly enough, Jr. jumps right in and says, "You know, you know, um, you know, because he had Ortiz and Santana with with him, and he's walking the ring." Jr. says, "You know, champions walk here. Um, you know, thing things change when when you're not the champion. Um, you know, they've got something invested in it too." And um, you know, I keep saying it, and you know, it sounds like I'm being a huge a um, aw mark. Um, but just a lot of what they're trying to incorporate is a lot of what early nineties wrestling was mm-hmm. um, and good for them because so far this card has been pretty strong for the most part, but here we go because <laughs> it's time to spin the wheel, make the deal. Um, yeah, uh, the one to spin the wheel is a man called sting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, this dang wheel gets smoke, pyro, and fire, but no other wrestler on this entire card gets that at all. No. Um, Also, you don't even spin the wheel. It's just a giant lever, and you pull it, and it spins. I I don't know, but this popped me bad. So the whole thing's coming together, and it's fine, and then some random guy just walks out and moves the – Move the spinner, like you know, the the lever over, and then like plugs up a cord, and then just just walks off. Like, uh, oh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it it is ninety two. You know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, and when this thing is spinning, it keeps getting pyro. Like it's oh, spinning, yeah. you get bursts of pyro, pyro, and then it stops on the coal miners glove match. Um. We get um, a brief explanation from from Jesse Ventura, who and 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 essentially this is an this is an item on a pole match. Um, so they take a coal miner's glove, and the way that he was making it sounds that it was laced with hardened steel. Um, if you retrieve that off the pole, you are allowed to use it on on your on your opponent. So, um, I guess a nice little seg- segue between. Um, between Paul E. berating Medusa and this holy dumpster fire of a match. Um, This match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, it is Rick Rude being accompanied by Medusa, who Rick Rude is supposed to be the heel here, gets a huge pop 
because of what just happened with Medusa. Massive. Um, massive. And then his opponent, of course, is Masahiro Chono, um, being accompanied to the ring by Hiro Matsuda. Um, the coin flip, as we mentioned earlier, was to see which official would be in the ring. And it is Harley Race. So then you have Kensuke Sasaki on the outside um, officiating from there. Um, oh, this match infuriated me within an inch of my life. I uh, go, go ahead. Okay, so at first, it, it, it kind of had a big fight feel. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, at, at first, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well. Well, I mean, I kind of knew it was going to go in this way just because they had too many things going on. But, but I was like, okay, this is a big fight feel. You know, everybody's out here. You know, it looks, it, it looks legit. You're seeing Ole again. You know, he's coming out making sure things are where they need to be because this is, this is special. Um, mm-hmm. That's about where it ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of rest holds. And when I say rest hold, I mean it's two grown men resting on one another for the majority of this 22-minute match. That I timed it. There was a sleeper um, hold for – let me look down here. Yeah, okay, so there was a sleeper hold for about a minute and 17. Yeah, this is is levels of, you know, Hogan versus Warrior from, you know, Halloween Havoc 98. Um, where they were, were they doing that test of strength for like two and a half minutes? Yeah. Um, this is that level. Um, but jumping right to the finish, because there's no sense in getting all that middle mismatch. No. Um, Chono goes for a big boot on Rick Rude, but catches Harley Race right in the face, sends him to the outside. Then you have Sasaki that comes over to check on him, Chono throws Rick Rude over the top rope, takes out both reps. This is where the rule comes into play. We'll get to it in a second. Double um, ref. Yeah, double double ref bump. So now I'm the third ref. Uh-huh. Um, so Rick Rude gets back in, hits a Rude Awakening, goes for a pin, obviously no ref. Um, goes to the top for a diving knee. Um, Chono almost no-sells, you know, the friggin' Rude, Rude Awakening. Uh, rolls right up, locks in STF. He taps, and then you have Sasaki in the ring, who then calls for the bell. Um, so then you have Sasaki raises Chono's hand. Harley gets back and raises Rick Rude's hand. Then we get the announcement, and that and and that Harley Race is disqualifying Masahiro Chono because he threw Rick Rude over the top rope. Chorus of boos. Um, I so hated this. It was so – all right, so I'm giving this a half a star, and that's really generous because it was 22 minutes, okay? If it was half the time, even a little bit more exciting, and it would have been fine, but it had, like you said, a big fight feel. It had everything you wanted. You had you had, you had had a title on the line. You had two big, big-name guys who who – if I'm not mistaken, a couple of months ago before this had almost a five-star classic. Yeah. Yeah. And then you bring him to WCW and this is what Bill Watts does. Okay. Anytime you have a, anytime you have a foreign wrestler come over, um, they're always severely underbooked. Um, 
and it shows here because this match, it was slow, plotting. It was boring at times. Um, I mean, it was clean, which is why I gave it the half count. But it felt like this was like a 45-minute match. It was so long, and it was the complete opposite. If you watch their first encounter, and then you watch this expecting the same thing, you were severely disappointed. So I gave it a half star as well. Uh, I am a wrestling purist, and this is not what it's about. Um, this was an old school match, but it was it was just bad. It was too many headlocks, too much time. Uh, it, it it just wasn't great. Now, like you said, it was it wasn't hokey. There was anything wrong with it per se, um, but it just it was rough around the edges. Halfway through the match, you had woo chants. I know you heard those, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then with the finish and a double ref bump, and it just yeah, guys going over the top rope, and then you start selecting what you didn't see and selecting what you did see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I half star, and like you said, that's that's me. I'm just being generous. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, two months from now, um, Rick Rick Rude will suffer a neck injury. Um, it will put him on the shelf for a couple of months. Um, he came back, and he just didn't seem like the same wrestler in the ring. Um, and then look a couple look about two years down the road in '94 was when um, he was facing Sting and. Took yeah, uh, and then took that um That's suicide like, dive to the yeah, and and this and, and that was his last match. Would be then it was Sting and I, if I remember correctly, it was a suicide dive. But the way that the ring was set up, it was the ring, so it was almost like um a smaller road road wild esque setup where you had the ring. But then outside of the ring, you had another platform before the before the floor. And when Rude took that suicide dive, his back hit like the very edge of that platform and just yeah. messed his back all kinds of up. It so. was just it was just unlucky. It wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. unsafe wrestling. It just yeah. was because I mean, if he's maybe uh, four inches further, he's probably fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. Um, well, well, let's boost your spirits up because we get another video package for Nia Arcade 1992 Battle Bowl. Uh-oh. Um, immediately from that to a test of strength shown by Cactus Jack with a giant sledgehammer and some cinder blocks on the back of the barbarian. Um, we got, um, we, we got a small package or earlier in in the show um, where he's running up to random guys in a ring and just taking scoop slams. Um, and this is just, I guess, Cactus Jack's way of preparing the Barbarian for Ron Simmons' power slam. Um, and nothing like you know, a carnival-esque um, show, of, show of strength to uh, get that point across. Absolutely. Um, this awesome, this match also had a big fight feel to it. Um, so we do have the Barbarian being accompanied to the ring by Cactus Jack uh, versus the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Ron Simmons. Um, you see him, you know, getting led to the ring by a boatload of security, and then you have Teddy Long right in front of him holding holding the title up. Yep. All things, all things grand. Um, Barbarian is not a main eventer. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> um, gosh. He just he just looked the part. He just looked. I mean, he's a specimen. He just looked the part. Yeah. Ron Simmons looks like uh, just a genetic. I mean, I'm no and I'm known this, but he just looks like a genetic freak. I yeah. mean, he just looks like. I mean, because well, he is. But I mean, he just looks like he was made in a lab. You know what I mean? He looks like a million dollars here. Bar- Barbarian too. Don't get me wrong. Barbarian is nothing to. to you know, he's not a slouch either. But if you're just talking about you know white meat baby face, Ron mm-hmm. Simmons. This looks like a million dollars here. Yeah. Um, crowd is fully behind him. Um, a lot of manhandling um, by both men throughout throughout the match, but just a lot of powdering from the Barbarian, you know, going to talk to Cax at Jackpot strategy. Um, so, you know, we get – so towards the end of the match, we do get Ron Simmons. He, he, he hits the comeback button. It's a big shoulder tackle on – on the barbarian. Um, then he cactus Jack who gets involved, gets on the apron. Ron Simmons goes to hit him. Barbarian take takes advantage, goes up top, hits a flying head headbutt. Ron Simmons kicks out. Then you this this finish is super quick. You have the barbarian who whips against the ropes. Simmons just catches him with a power slam and gets a win. Um I don't really know if the goal here was to you know, make the barbarian seem like a greater main event presence. Um, but this is not how you do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Maybe, like you said, maybe that's what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. but that's not what happened. Ron Tennis yeah. looked fine. You made the barbarian look like a schmuck, you know? Yeah. Um, I gave and this it- the same rating as the last match, though. I gave it a half count which is equivalent to a half star. Um, this is boring again. Now, granted, I would rather watch this match than the last match, um, but the crowd was dead for this. Um, uh, I gave it the same half star. It almost seems like something happened. and re- like It almost seems like Simmons was maybe supposed to wrestle somebody else. You know what I mean? And something happened and they just kind of had to move on the fly. Cause there's no way. I mean, we may have to do our, our, our homework on this, you know, pay-per-view before and pay-per-view after, but yeah. there's, there's no way that this was the plan, you know, from the get go for him to wrestle barbarian. There's no way. And I also think that's probably why Cactus Jack got involved in, in the sense of who's training him. Cause there's mm-hmm. no way that this was the plan. Yeah. Um, well, nothing like a good time for some expert analysis. Um, so Jared kicks it back to Tony Schiavone, Bruno San Martino, and they bring in none other than Eric Watts for said expert analysis, and he is welcomed with, thank the Lord, a chorus of boos. Uh-huh. Oh, popped hard for that, I tell you. Oh, um, yeah. No, nothing like some great expert analysis. And then they have Ron, Ron Simmons that comes up. You know, goes on a you know baby face promo rant, and then looks at Eric Watts. Yeah, he 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 tried to put Barbarian over. You know, yeah. Again, uh, hopefully not. Yeah, and then (laughs) puts over Eric Watts, saying, "Hey, hard hard work and determination, and you'll be where I am." Lord forbid if you're there where he is. um, Maybe that's why WCW went under. But, (laughs) um. So then 
we go back to Jim Ross and Jesse Ben Ventura. Je, uh, Jesse the Body going back over the rules of the coal miners glove match. Um, and then remind us that this is a lights out unsanctioned match. So this is pretty much anything goes. The ref is only in the ring to count the pinfall or, um, or make the submission call. Um, so it's Jake the Snake Roberts versus Sting. This is the aforementioned coal miners glove match. Um, oh boy. Um, you want to you want to start, Mister Purist? <laughs> um, if uh, if you stand on its own when you say it out loud, you're thinking, okay, well, Jake the Snake and and Sting, well, that's gonna be great. You know what I mean? This was okay. <laughs> Look at this! Look at this stupid um, thing. The well, gloves on top. Well, once the full disclosure. Once I saw oh. how uh, how tall that pole was, you knew damn well Jake the Snake wasn't going up there to get it. Listen, uh, listen. So the 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 man called Sting better better get up there because the only way that Jake Roberts is getting that glove is if he chops the dang pole pole down. Yeah. So I I, I knew and I, I remember watching this, but I just it had been a long long time. So I knew um I knew Jake wasn't going to get, you know, <laughs> when, when they came out and they hit the ropes a couple of times, I was like, okay, now I was like, oh, now I actually remember this finish. I remember this. Finish. But um, watching it when they first came out, you know, man, Jake's, he's great. And yeah. the, again, with emotion and stuff like that, like the match isn't anything to write home about. But with that being said, the emotion is in it. And when Jake comes out there, people are, are, are afraid of Jake. Um, not because he's some big – well, he is tall, but not because he's some physical freak or he looks like he's going to do you know do you some bodily harm. No, he just – you believe everything he says. He looks like a wacko. You know, he just – he's just really, really, really believable. And back then, they, during kayfabe, you know, when Jake put the DDT on you, that was it. That, that just was it, period. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, jumping right to that point in the match um, – he hits the DDT, starts to climb the pole. Sting recovers. He's out on the apron now. He runs towards Jake, who's trying to climb the pole, and he grabs it and, like, Spider-Man swings to the other side, throws an elbow, climbs the pole to get the coal miner's glove. Um, um, oh. r- r- really climbs it. Like, not kayfabe. Yeah, no, like, this is an the pole. Climb. Yeah, he um, Jump on the buckle and no, I mean, climbed it. <laughs> so all that's going on, Cactus Jack, with a with a run in, has Jake the Snake's snake, um, gets him the snake. Um, Sting's got the glove now. Gets down, um, punches him once in the side, um, and I guess forces Jake the Snake's snake to bite him in the neck. Um, Sting just knocks him over and gets the pin. And then Jake stumbles out like a madman because he's obviously poisoned. Um, yeah, because this defanged cobra that was brought out is totally killing him. 100%. But, but when that snake bit Jake in the face, listen to that play. Go back and watch it, Cod. Crickets. Yeah. I mean, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yep. I thought at first because 
the snake looked fake at first. Honestly, it 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 oh, did. Real snake. It was real. Real snake. I, I, real snake, and I'm sure it's 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 you know devenomized or defanged or however. Well, it's not defanged because there was blood. But I'm sure there's no venom, or even if it's probably not even a poison. Devenomized, I, I, I guess, yeah. Who knows what type of snake it is? But it was a real enough snake to bite him in the face slash neck and draw blood and have that whole place go quiet, yeah. boy. I can yeah. tell you that. What did, what did you grade this? Because I'm going to make your night really bad with my, with my grade. So go, so go right ahead. Um, I, gave, I gave it a star. I only gave it a star. No, no, no. I mean, that's no. – I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna knife that one. I, I only gave it. I gave it a star because it, there was still kind of some emotion, emotion behind. I mean, the wrestling match itself was awful, but again, yeah. you know, that night if you were there and you were left, you weren't saying that. You were thinking like, you know, holy crap, um, <laughs> Jake the Snake got bit in the face, you know, in the neck by you know a snake. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, yeah. Watching it real time. It probably wasn't as bad as it looked to us. Yeah. But, you know, but looking back, yeah, it's a rough one. Listen, I, just for clarification, I gave this a zero count. Um, it's legendary garbage. The in-ring work, the in-ring work, like you said, was nothing to home, was nothing to write home about. Um, it was fine. Um, just, you you can't overlook, especially when you have a gimmick match like this, where it's the coal miners glove match. Okay. I want to rewind for a little bit because on the wheel, you had 12 total selections that you could have made. And you're telling me that Bill Watts in that, in that creative room. Okay. Looked at this said, Hey, let's get all these match stipulations on, on the wheel here. Okay, what do we want it to be? Or do we just want to let it roll and whatever we get, we get, okay? Because it seems like the latter of that was true, okay? Whatever the case may be, okay, change it. You can have any match you want, okay? I agree with you that the match, it, it, had, a lot of, it had a lot of feeling to it, Um but I think the blow-off shouldn't have been a coal miner's glove match where you climb a pole, get a glove, and then punch somebody. I don't think that should have been the blow-off to a feud like this. Well, w- with, the st- with all those stipulations and the wrestling personnel and talent that you had, it shouldn't have been like, – I agree with you. It shouldn't have been that. You know, Because if you wanted to, to have a snake gimmick in the match, well, you could have did that literally with anything else minus a coal miners glove match, you know? So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. They dropped the ball with the coal miners glove. Um, Cause I mean, it could have been any one of the other stipulations they had dog collar, bull rope, you know, literally anything else. Yeah. This miners glove match was, I, I mean, I, spoiler alert here. I'm not a fan of a coal miners glove match. Cause you know, you, in theory, it's good because once you get that thing on your hand, boom, well, and they should be, boom, one shot, they're down, it's over. So emphasis on actually getting the glove. But with, like I said, with the talent that you have with Sting, you could have just did so much more. But Yeah. Um, look look forward here um, to a year 
um, Halloween Havoc 1993, you had Cactus Jack and Big Van Vader, who also did Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. And it was a Texas death match, okay? You're telling me you couldn't have put these two in a cage and it would have been fine? I, I, I just don't understand where the booking logic is yeah. for, for a blow-off feud like this to be just a coal miner's glove match where we have to have the rules elaborately explained to us. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so that was it. That was, um, that was WCW Halloween Havoc 1992. Um, I gave the entire card as a whole one star out of five. Um, my, my Ric Flair award is going to um, the, uh, the uh, tag team title match where we had Steve Austin and Steve Williams uh, against Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Um, the Russo award, ugh, the last third of this card, <laughs> honestly, I hated every single moment of it. Um, it started with the, with the horrible NWA world championship match. It carried to the WCW World Championship match, and then it finished with the Coal Miners Glove match. Um, so the so the Russo Award, the last third of this card because it was absolutely awful. Um, this bumped it down. The last third bumped it down a whole star rating for the whole card for me because I actually had it at two stars going into that, and then those three matches knocked it down to a one star. Um, what 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 did you think of the card as a as a whole, Jeff? Um, the card as a whole was rough for me. Um, I'm with you. I I I mean, you probably could give it a two star match just on the Steamboat and Pillman match by its damn self. But I also gave it a one. It, it had elements to be like we talked before we even got got on here. You say those names and then you watch this card. Like, if someone told you all those names on this pay-per-view before and you watched the card, you're like, well, what the hell happened? You know? Yeah. So, again, it's not always about knowing what's going to happen. It's how you do it, and it's in its presentation. I think they dropped the ball on, on, on both of those. I mean, one match can't carry a whole damn card, um, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. This was mishandled. And probably, probably you know – the beginning lines of WCW going, not going under because they didn't go to for years later, but just mm-hmm. trending in the wrong direction at least. Yeah. Um, well, listen, those are our thoughts on WCW Halloween Havoc 1992. You at home, what did you think of the event? Leave your thoughts in the comments below. Remember to watch WrestleCast Live every Monday and Thursday on Facebook and YouTube and listen on the go through Apple podcast. Check out Patrick Lilly's creative control. Keep an eye out for the debut of Dwight Parker's do your darn homework. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow podcast world order on all social media platforms. If you like what we're doing and you want to support podcast world world order, or you want to see more of these collab or reviews um you can find us on kofi at the link in the description box below jeff where can they find you on social media uh i am on twitter at jeff m hall one um sports wrestling 
all wrapped up in the one. That's pretty much it. And I agree with Cod. Um, support local wrestling. Support podcasts, whether it's ours or somebody else's. If you like what you see, like, comment, subscribe. If you don't, um, cut a promo on us. Won't, won't, won't bother me one bit. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, if you go ahead and cut a promo on us, we'll shout you out on the next um, episode. <laughs> yeah, um, cut, cut a promo on us. Um, continue to watch new new wrestling to you, old, new. It could be even from last week. Continue to watch wrestling. Support local wrestling, not so much now, but when everything gets back to where the way it's supposed to be, um, support local wrestling. All right. For next week's episode is part two of our four-part series uh, of, of our trick-or-treat series. Um, with a review of WCW Halloween Havoc 1994. Um, tune in to WrestleCast on Monday to find out who the next special guest enforcer will be. From everyone here at Podcast World Order, thank you for watching. And remember, at the end of the day, it's referee's discretion. I'm Cod Sinclair. That's Jeff the Hitman Hall. And we'll see you next time.